0: Welcome to the Birthing Instincts Podcast. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbine, community-based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices.
1: And I'm Bliss Young, a licensed midwife. Join us in our conversational style podcast where we talk about everything birth.
0: Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but we're happy that you're here. So here we go. This, this is, is a Soul Fire, Fire Production. Production. My favorite Hi. time of the day. It's my favorite time. It's Wednesday morning.
1: Ah, uh, good, good to see you. happy afternoon, good evening, days.
0: and good middle of the night to you, Blister. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, I felt like I kept busy this week with fielding all of the Joe Rogan tags. Like, there were, like, hundreds, thanks to everyone who, you know called out Joe Rogan and in, in most of them in, in the most respectful way, just like we love you, Joe Rogan, but we want to hear you talk about this. So I'm really hoping that it gets enough attention that we, we do get to go on.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. I, there were just a ton of, of responses. I couldn't even go through them all because it was just too many. Yeah. But a couple of people reached out to me who of the high profile category, and they said they're going to reach out. To oh, cool. They, they've had home births with us. And they would like to go on his show and bring you or me with them. So we'll see if that happens again, you don't you don't invite yourself onto Joe Rogan's podcast. You have to be invited to invited. Joe Rogan's podcast.
1: Well? I think we should be a package deal. I think we should go on together,
0: well, if they invite just you, I'm fine with that because I know that you'll do I know that you'll do wonderful. But I would love it if they put us both on. But oh, yeah, you know, I don't have any expectation of that. We're not we're big in our community, but we're not that big. So So, right. (laughs) (laughs) So what? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You're you're very you're very feisty. You're very feisty. You were very feisty in that those clips too. I loved it. I loved it. I had a fun weekend last weekend. Great. I I hitched a ride from (laughs) Kanab to St. George.
1: Like really hitched.
0: Well, I actually went on the message board here. They have a message board in town. Oh, cool. And I was able to find somebody driving to St. George on Saturday. Usually a lot of people go on to Saturday to go shopping. But because the big football game was Friday night, where Canab played for the state championship, they lost. But everybody went on Friday. So nobody was going on Saturday. But I got a ride to the airport and I flew to L.A. That's and difficult. I surprised my kids. Well, the surprise got busted, but <laughs> but Good it was drive. still nice. For Uh that that evening and then the Sunday brunch, the twins turned 30 years old. And Mm. so we had a brunch. And then I took one of my cars and I drove all the way back to Kanab. So now I have a car. That's awesome. It is awesome. (laughs) You forget how unawesome it is. Or I guess that's not the right term. But you forget how hard, even in a small town, when it's cold outside, you're not going to go ride your bike to the grocery store. Yeah. So that's why I had to take the RV around town to go to the post office. (laughs) (laughs) It was a big deal. But now I have a car and I'm really thrilled about my car. Great. Yeah. So I have a couple things. We have a guest. You want to tell the listeners a little bit about the guest before we uh, go off on a tangent for a second?
1: Yeah. Naomi Drucker is a midwife in Los Angeles who actually reached out and said, hey, what do you think about this topic? And I was like, that sounds awesome. And she's a midwife who works both in the hospital and home birth. So she actually, when I was in LA, she backed my clients up a couple of times and that was so beautiful. So anyways, we'll talk more about her practice and what that looks like to do both worlds.
0: Yeah. And sometimes we bring sanity to the birth world and sometimes there's craziness and tyranny and stupidity in the birth world. And just just to mix <laughs> it up a little bit, here's some stupidity and some tyranny. Uh, this is from uh, out of Ireland. And this is a uh, a listener and a Instagram fellow traveler who sent me this. She says, hi, Dr. Stu and Bliss. I'm a midwife from the UK, currently volunteering in the Philippines in a midwife left birthing center. And I just wanted to say how much I have been challenged, encouraged, and inspired by the podcast. Currently in the Philippines, there is a ban on primips and grand multips from birthing and birthing centers here. They're all required to birth in the hospital Which, even when paying excessive costs, are still not necessarily getting good evidence-based compassionate care. It has also long been given the impression that home birth is illegal here. But this isn't actually true. But midwives practice under a Filipino license who could do home births could be reported and risk their license even though it's not illegal. You scratch your head and figure that out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I saw this post about the home birth becoming illegal in Ireland. It's actually. But my understanding is that anything that's not within 30 minutes of a hospital that does OB, it would be illegal in. But I wonder if that says how fast can you drive? (laughs) Can you drive 100 miles an hour, make it within 30 minutes? Anyway, it's not laughing matter because and she's shocked. I have long held the medical system in the UK, the National Health Service. I realize they're separate in Ireland or separate from Ireland in quite high esteem for having worked for them on and off for the last nine years of being a midwife. However, your podcast has opened my eyes to reality of the fact that often protocols and policies that are made are followed blindly in hospitals and are actually not truly evidence-based or in a woman and family's best interest. I continue to be inspired by your stories and wealth of knowledge, and I just want to thank you for taking the time. I shared the video that I posted about this woman who was chastising a member of the Ireland Parliament, Minister I shared this video mainly because it made me think of your work and prompted me to send you this message. Also, the use of the word misinformation, which you so often unpack. Thank you and hope to learn Breach with you one day. So that was from um, Bethany, in, uh, currently in the Philippines, but a British midwife. And again, this whole thing that's going on in Ireland is just more tyranny. I mean, who thinks this is a good idea? Who thinks it's a good idea to take all world women and then take away this choice and make them go to the hospital for the rare case where something might go wrong in a hospital where lots of things go wrong all the time Yeah, and where they have a 30 to 40% chance of having a cesarean section.
1: Yeah. I mean, that just emphasizes how ridiculous it is, but even without that, it shouldn't be anyone else's choice what we decide to do. With our bodies and our babies and how we choose to deliver them. That's nobody else's choice.
0: Yeah. On the broad spectrum, that's exactly the truth here. And yet they can't stop, Bliss. They yeah. cannot stop regulating. California is a perfect example. Yeah. Um, but this is happening in other countries, that you, which, you know, everything that happens, is a step away from sanity. It's yeah. the opposite direction.
1: Yeah. No. Do you want me to share with you what I yeah, wanted? To of finish? course. Okay, cool. So I'm in a book. So I thought that was kind of exciting. So from the authors of the first 40 days, you know that book, right? It's a beautiful postpartum book about nutrition. Mm -hmm. Do you know that book? Yeah, it's beautiful. So they came out with one called Nine Golden Months about the essential art of nurturing the mother to be. So there's a bunch of beautiful information. And just like the other book, lots of beautiful images and recipes and stuff. But they quoted me. On page 118, it's a section called Entering the In-Between, and I won't read the whole thing, but it's from Hayes and I, and it's just talking about, you know, after your due date, the time before your due date, and when you actually deliver. It says, anything that is stressful, any people that are stressing you out, offer you a great opportunity to form some boundaries that will support you postpartum, says Bliss Young, midwife and founder of Birthing Bliss Midwifery. Focus on doing things that build oxytocin. Oxytocin is the initiator for labor. So keep it calm, stress-free, and full of love. Do what makes you feel juicy. I'm sure you've heard me say that before. Yeah, you'd like that Um, one. (laughs) Go on a date with your honey, watch comedy, have sex, watch a sunset, dance, hang out with girlfriends, enjoy the moments before your new normal sets in. Anyways, pick up a copy. It's a beautiful book.
0: Congratulations. It's always nice to see yourself quoted in a book, isn't it?
1: That's kind of fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's something that will last long after we're not speaking clearly anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good, good.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I I, I have to read this one because it, you know, we're on a roller coaster right now, You, you know, Ireland and then this beautiful one that you just read. So this is a letter from Sally that she sent me and she says, our parents received the following notice from our pediatrician's office. This isn't exclusive, but it affects all home births and non accredited birth centers in the Austin, Texas area. Our Central Texas midwives wrote a collective letter opposing the stand, basically saying it was a disservice to newborns born in the community. I think it has to be illegal. Our parents are very angry. And this is what the policy said from their pediatrician. Recently, we experienced adverse events with patients born at home or in a non-accredited birthing center. These events were significant and required emergency medical services involvement and hospital admissions for the newborn. They created significant safety concerns amongst our providers for newborns delivered somewhere other than a hospital or accredited birthing center. For the safety of these newborns, we will not accept new patients born at home or at a non-accredited birthing center. I repeat, for the safety of these newborns, we will accept patients born at a hospital or an accredited birthing center. An example of an accredited birthing center is the Austin area birthing center for all of our current patient families who are adding a sibling, please take this into consideration when deciding where to give birth. If you decide to give birth at home or at a non-accredited birthing center, you will not be able to join the Chisholm trail pediatrics family until your newborn is seen by a pediatric provider outside of us for the first six weeks of life. Wow. Right. Woe says it all.
1: I don't know the state laws in Texas, but it does seem like that would be illegal if midwifery is legal in Texas, which it is.
0: Yeah. Talk about it's interesting that, you know, we talk about ethics all the time and the use of coercion, even subtle coercion is never acceptable. What would you call this? So I I, (laughs) not subtle. And I said to Sally, and it's funny, I almost said, whoa. I said shameful nothing Mm -hmm. more to say. Mm -hmm. Next, it will be, we will not see any children who are sick. Please take (laughs) sick kids to urgent care, which we already know is happening. I've already seen it here in in Southern California. Meanwhile, the only reason to go to the pediatrician is for mandated vaccine scheduling injections. I hope they go broke, is what I say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Right. So anybody that takes their baby to Chisholm, whatever it is, pediatrics, Even if you were born in the hospital, you should be outraged by this, and you should let them know. Yes. Not acceptable. Right.
1: Tag them. There are babies
0: born in the hospital that do really, really badly, all right, but they'll take those babies. But on the rare case where somebody has to be transferred, you're going to threaten people to not be in your practice or to kick them out of your practice or not accept them and warn them not to do a home birth because we won't take you. Well, who the hell are you? Right. Right. We don't want you. So this is a, a message from uh, listener Abby, who writes, um, my name is Abby. I was referred to you by my friend, Emily, who's my assistant in Texas. I just recently moved out of Los Angeles and back home to Boston. In L.A., I was working at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. I reluctantly received my first two Pfizer COVID vaccines while employed there. My husband and I moved back to Boston a few months ago. This is current now. I now work at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. They are requiring I get my booster dose or be terminated from my job. I have some serious reservations about the booster. When the first two doses of the vaccine were rolled out, I had a miscarriage. When I got the second dose, my period changed. Since then, I've been very concerned about the efficacy of the booster. I have done endless research on this matter and want to do what's best for my body. I'm a healthy, active woman who got married later in life, and I would like the chance to start a family. I understand that working in healthcare this is a mandate, and I won't be able to get around it. My manager said, if I can get an exemption, there is a possibility of avoiding the booster dose. I was hoping this is something you could possibly help me with. And then she goes on, I can't really help with that sort of thing because it's not it's outside my expertise. Well, it's really not outside my expertise, but it's it's something where I'm not afraid to write those letters. But the bigger problem is that the idea that these hospitals are still mandating, a shot that we know doesn't work and causes reproductive damage to women. And there's more and more data coming out, even when there's a paper that recently came out that said, oh, there's no harm in giving it. And ACOG says, give it anytime you want when you're pregnant. So that's all, that's, that's bullshit. That is lies. That is not just misinformation. That is lies. So I just wanted to put that out there. Anybody that's listening to this podcast, do not get this booster shot. You know, if you're a normal, healthy person, do not get it when you're not pregnant. Do not get it when you're pregnant. Do not let your kids get it. Nobody get it. There's going to be more and more data coming out that tells you how bad it is. There's already enough on. There. If anybody watches the highway they already know this stuff. So I just want to put that out there. So Bliss, guess what time wow. it is?
1: It's time to talk about our sponsor.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Element. So Element, awesome. L-M-N-T is that tasty electrolyte drink that's got all the good stuff in it, none of the BS. And it comes in multiple flavors, and we are going to talk a little bit today about one of the new flavors, but it's great for, for laboring women, it's great for birth workers, it's great for people when working out, whether it's hot outside or cold outside, putting in electrolytes with no sugar is better for you and your body. So Bliss, tell us, because Element's proud to announce they've got a new flavor.
1: It's so funny, right? We just did this special on chocolate, and then they hit us with this. So they have a chocolate medley that includes three flavors, chocolate caramel, mint chocolate, and chocolate salt. And all chocolate flavors are enjoyed hot on their own or in your hot beverage, like hot chocolate, no peppermint mocha, or any other cozy beverage you can create. The chocolate medley and all its chocolate caramel and mint chocolatey salty goodness is here for a limited time. And when it's gone, it's gone. So get it while it's hot.
0: Well, So if you guys... Wanna have a chocolate menage? You got three flavors <laughs> of chocolate, go for it. <laughs> go uh, for it. Just go to drinkelement.com element.com backslash birthing instincts. And for every order, you'll get a free sample pack. We've sort of had some confusion lately because I've been saying it wrong. So it's drink element.com backslash birthing instincts. Whatever you order, they'll add in a free sample pack. Thanks, Element. Thank you. Okay, so let's bring our guests in. Okay. Oh, one more thing real quickly. This is this is this is funny because this is kind of like how how your phone is listening to you talk. So remember how we often talk about, you know, we talk about growing up that no one when they're seven or eight years old says, mommy, I want to be a hospital administrator. Mm -hmm. Remember this? So Mm -hmm. I got an email the other day from an ad for a career in hospital administration. (laughs) So They're,
1: they think you're a perfect candidate,
0: Stu. Yeah, I, I, it's funny that they, you know, I never get an email like that at all, and then I got an email <laughs> about a career in hospital administration. I just thought that that was sort of funny, and
1: and you too could be a hospital administrator.
0: <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> oh my God, I could go. I I could never mind. I could really go off on that. <laughs> That's great, Liz. I love that. How exciting! <laughs> <laughs> a career in hospital administration. Okay, Okay. Uh, mocking, 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 <laughs> mocking. Okay. So should we bring our guests in?
1: Yeah. All
0: right. I just pushed a okay, button. Good. So then <laughs> Like that, she's here.
1: Welcome, Naomi. Hi. We're so happy that you reached out and uh, reminded us what a good guest you would be. <laughs> 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 um, I'm just going to read your bio the best I can because it's written in uh first person so it says that you are in chronological order a sister wife mother doula nurse and midwife you were raised in montreal canada and moved here with your mom and sister in 1992 which is when my son jordan was born and you met your husband and then you took doula training in 2000 graduated nursing school in 2005 and then you were in l d at Cedars from 2005 to 2018. And then you went to Frontier Nursing University and worked at Graceful Birthing Center, which is in Los Angeles, and then started a solo practice offering both home birth and hospital birth. In 2020, you partnered with, what's her name? Lilith. 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 And sure. actually, the interesting thing, Stu, I don't know if you know this, Naomi and Lilith's practice is in the old Hollywood Birth Center location, the exact same building that the Hollywood Birth Center used to be in.
0: Was that on purpose? Way back. Was that on purpose or was it just random? It was,
2: it was so kismet. It was kismet. I gave birth there <laughs> years ago. And when I was in her uh, office space, I was about to be somewhere else. And I just drove by and there wasn't a for lease sign, but I just like, I was like, let me just walk in and see what's going on in there. And they had two rooms of it. It
1: was just perfect timing. Oh my goodness. Meant to be. Yeah. So you practice in Los Angeles and you have five sons, 23, 19 twins that are 14. I love it. You put 14 and 14 and, and an 18 month old and you work at, I didn't know you worked at Kaiser too. No. I was giving you my birth settings. Oh, I was like, you were you work at Kaiser's? Oh, you had the babies at Kaiser mm-hmm. and Hollywood Birth Center, and then finally a home birth. So you've kind of done all of the different types of births and then also providing care in all the different scenarios. So you have a lot to share with us and our listeners about your experience. So it's so great to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. I
2: kind of wanted to come
1: on. Just to hang out
2: because I was, (laughs) you guys don't have much of an agenda the next
1: couple weeks. And I miss you guys. I miss you. Oh, it's good to see you. Um, So tell us a little bit about about how the practice is going and what that looks like these days. So it's going really well.
2: Stu, I'm sure you remember Debbie Frank. She was the one that I kind of modeled my practice after originally.
0: Debbie and I collaborated to the Women's Place. She was one of the original people, along with Joyce Weckle. when I went off and set up my collaborative hospital-based practice out in Ventura County. Debbie was one of the two people. She was working with Paul at the time, and she was also working with me. Nice. Right. So my- I, knew her very, I knew her very well. I know her story, yeah.
2: Yeah, she was my inspiration. I never would have even fathomed that this type of practice was possible if I hadn't seen her in action at the end of her career as I was there as a nurse. So it's going great. I paired up with Lilith, which Bliss and I'm sure both of you can understand it. It's very helpful as far as work-life balance to have a partner that you can rely on. And yeah, we work together and we actually recently hired a third midwife. And so the practice works kind of like the old Hollywood Birth Center practice to where like you weren't a particular midwife's client. You came into practice and met alternately with each midwife and everybody gets to know each other really nicely. And it's, I'd say it's set up very much like an out-of-hospital birth practice where the prenatal visits are an hour long and we spend a lot of time talking and educating and listening and planning and things like that, giving a lot of shared decision-making options and choice.
0: Right. So you so you, you do both home birth and hospital birth?
2: Yeah, and- I can. Her, um, well, it's tricky with VBAC right now because malpractice doesn't cover it. And to have the hospital privileges, you have to have the malpractice. So we are able to do VBACs in the hospital. But as far as like a normal, relatively low risk, non-VBAC, we do home birth as well.
0: So let's explore that just for a second, because that's an issue that always comes up when people say, you know, I'd like to you know, do both. But then they get, because the hospital mandates that you have a master, which is what I like to say, a malpractice company, so you can share in the <laughs> in the liability with them. But then that company then restricts what you're able to do on the outside. And that's what you're saying, right?
2: Yeah, I suppose in theory, I could offer VBAC the way I might do if I didn't have the malpractice insurance and just let people know I'm not covered for this like most out of hospital midwives, I don't believe carry malpractice insurance. And I don't think that that would be a problem, but it's a little bit of a problem in a group practice setting because not everybody in the group agrees that we should be doing that. Yeah. And that's,
1: that is the challenge with group practices. I mean, there's benefits and there's downsides and, you know, the benefit that you said, like we talked about in a, a podcast recently where we talked to a group practice, the benefit is that you have a more balanced life. And so You get midwives who can have longevity in their career, which means that you have midwives or doctors who have that experience, that wisdom of having worked for a long time, but you also don't have the opportunity to really individualize care as much because you have to consider what everybody is comfortable with. So I can see that that would be a limitation. Yeah. So Naomi, your practice, um, you work with two CNMs and you guys have hospital privileges. I heard that your third partner is working on it. And so you guys are able to, as CNMs, offer home birth or hospital birth, but also yes. that continuity of care from being at home to transporting to the hospital. So your clients don't have to transport into a doctor necessarily, unless exactly they're needing a C section, I'm assuming. And then you also have the ability to back up other home birth midwives, which you did for me when I was still in LA, which was amazing to know you. That. Yeah. I knew you. I knew that you would care for them like a midwife would. I think this is when we weren't allowed in the hospital too, because of COVID. Yeah. So that was the other beautiful thing. It wasn't like I was just handing them off to some stranger and being like, well, I hope it goes well. You can text I know. me. I was like, I know Naomi, she's great. She's going to love on you like I would and, you know, really beautiful. So tell us more about what that looks like and maybe some of the uh, beauties of that, but also some of the challenges, because I know there must be if you're working in a the hospital.
2: There are definitely some challenges. We're not allowed to admit under our own name. So anytime we admit a client, we have to admit under a doctor's name, which means I have to make sure a doctor is available and willing to support me in that birth if needed, right? Right. And that's a frustration I've heard from some doctors who have done backup for midwives in the past. It's frustrating to have to be on call and usually never get called or paid because they're not needed most of the time. And so that's frustrating and that impacts their quality of life. And I totally get it. But I do. I am really lucky to have a couple of doctors who are quite available and happy and willing to support us in that way, which is great.
0: So they just have to put their name on the chart, but then they have nothing to do with the person.
2: right. And they might not have ever seen them. prenatal okay.
0: right. I, I mean, just want I, I want listeners to understand and try to scratch their brain and try to figure out how that this makes any sense whatsoever,
2: right. And I understand why nobody would want to do that because then you've got a liability, and you don't know the person. I mean, I'm lucky in that I worked with all these doctors for fifteen years before I stepped into this role. So they know me and trust me, which is really beautiful. and valuable and allows me to do this.
0: But in a lot of communities in the country, there's there's nobody that's going to sign on to something like that.
2: Right. And They're I still don't really understand. I mean, some hospitals have a pretty robust in-house team, right? And I don't understand why at the hospital I deliver at, there is a very robust in-house team why they couldn't be my backup. You know, given because, that I've because
0: done- they want to share the liability with more people. I mean, let me digress for a second. When I was a Young attending, I was covering emergency rooms. And I remember at Santa Monica Hospital one time, I got a call from a the ER said there's a woman here in labor. She was supposed to go to Harbor, which was a county hospital in Torrance, but she came here and she's four centimeters. And I was busy doing other stuff, like in my office and had other people to take care of. But because I was on the call panel, they called me and I said, Well, why don't you have the you have family practice residents? at your hospital, why don't you just put her on the house service? And said, oh, we can't put anybody on the house service who hasn't had prenatal care with us. It's too risky. Okay. (laughs) So it's too risky for them who are in-house to take care of her, but I'm a private physician who didn't sign up to take care of her, but I'm going to be able to do this. So this is how they, this is how administrator people think. Their job is to protect the hospital by you being able to use the hospital list and the residents, then the hospital signs on to its taking on the liability. So I'm sorry I interrupted your story, but I wanted to wanted to say you're saying that it, that you don't understand why the hospital isn't allowing you to use their right. full-time faculty and their hospitalist and their residents. In I the just...
2: rare instance that I might need a vacuum or a C-section, and they end up coming in anyway
1: when that's the case,
2: because who's assisting in the OR?
1: They are it's dumb. Yeah, There's no good explanation. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're right. They're covering their butts too, but it is dumb. And you know what I'm wondering, Naomi, is what is the motivation for your doctors to do this? Just that they want to support you or are they really supportive of what the community midwives are doing? I think one of the doctors is just
2: happy to help and he doesn't really care. I mean, he cares, but he just is happy to help and and he's always been in a teaching role and he's just like, sure, whatever. He always picks up the phone every time I call. He's always got a great sort of attitude about it and a very low intervention response to every concern I bring to him. And then the other one is a newer doctor who's looking to build his own practice and build his own reputation in the community. And he is interested in what it all means and interacting with this different type of client.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, and it's that's nice how to
0: hear. Started right? Sorry, yeah, I was going to say it's nice to hear that there's still somebody doing that. I always talk about it at the seminars that that sort of model is dying off, and most doctors who come out of residency, you know, they get a salaried employee job, and that's what they do, and they work a shift. And so to hear that there's somebody still coming out and hustling in Los Angeles is nice. It's nice to,
1: yeah, hear. yeah. What good. a find! What a beautiful, op, you know, that you have that. At the I know I spotted
2: him one night in L&D and I'm like, I don't know this doctor. Who is this? So and <laughs> like, I got the scoop and it turned out he was starting a new private practice in L.A. And he's kind of hustling between a couple different hospitals. And I'm like, let's just get you here. Let's like build your business on this side of town so you can leave that other hospital and just be busy enough.
0: So. So, Bliss, it's time to talk about one of our sponsors. But before I do, I want to tell you a little story. I was looking for comforters on the internet. I was going to order some comforters. And I looked at some of them are washable and some of them are dry cleaning. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I'm in a little town. I better I better check to see where the nearest dry cleaners is. And the nearest dry cleaners was 54 miles away <laughs> in hurricane. <laughs> so I decided to get the washable blankets and washable. Good. Uh,
1: yeah. Cheaper. Yeah,
0: so we have a new sponsor. Why don't you tell us a little bit about our new sponsor, Splash Blanket?
1: I'm so excited about our new sponsor. I actually bought one for myself before they became a sponsor because I had seen them on the internet. And they're promoted, obviously, for fun, sexy time. You know, you guys know, I'm sure everybody knows that sometimes you uh, have a wet spot, so you can use the Splash Blanket to avoid that, but... For you guys, our listeners specifically, you can use them for your birth, for when you have your menstrual cycle and you want to do free bleeding, or just in your baby's crib to absorb any material that might be um, (laughs) leaking.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's leaking. Um,
1: I always tell people postpartum is such a messy time. You know, there's breast milk and there's meconium and there's spit up and there's blood and So it's something that, you know, it's not that crinkly plastic. It's something that feels really luxurious and it's, it actually holds a liter of fluid. So those of you who are like worried about what if my water breaks in the middle of the night, this is something that you could put underneath you and it feels amazing. Stu hasn't gotten his blanket yet, but he'll tell you once he gets it, how soft and Luxurious, it
0: is. Yeah, and they seem very versatile. And I like the fact that they're waterproof. And of course, since they're waterproof, they are washable and you don't have to dry yes. clean them 54 miles away.
1: <laughs> don't do that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so if you want to get your splash blanket, you can go to splashblanket.com and you use the code. This is a code, Birthing Instincts. It's not a slash or anything. It's splashblanket.com. Put in the code Birthing Instincts, you get 11% off your purchase. And Bliss was funny this morning. She says 11%. That's an odd number. I said, yeah, but it's better than 10.
1: This is true.
0: (laughs) So thanks, Splash Blanket.
1: Yay. So what do you think midwives could do to get privileges? What would you tell people in terms, because you had the benefit of working for Cedars for years and years. So, you know, that was, seems like an easy way in because they knew you already, but It didn't
2: feel like an advantage, honestly, when I was going through the process, because the people I encountered along the way didn't know, like they didn't work on the floor and they didn't know me. And I think it just came down to, and I remember Debbie had trained a number of partners that never panned out, but the getting there isn't hard. And the reason why is that they have a whole army of midwives on the floor that work four seaters. And so they have a system in place for midwives to get privileges. And I just had to check all the same boxes as those midwives. Mm -hmm. And there you go. It's just a matter of being willing to do it and being willing to carry the malpractice insurance, which is insane, and the lifestyle and the constant negotiation between the doctor and the client and the hospital and all those things. It's a wild lifestyle, but I am surprised that more people aren't doing it.
1: Yeah, can you say more about, What makes it a wild lifestyle? I mean, obviously, as midwives, we know that we have to be on call. Yeah, it's it's crazy in itself. But
2: Midwife life, managing a growing group practice, right? Like who's doing what, when? And then anytime anybody goes into labor, I always feel like it's prudent to like check in and see if the backup doctor that they had selected is available. And if not, who it is. And just letting them know, hey, we're in labor, everything's fine. I'll let you know if we end up transferring in so that I'm trying not to make too many 3 a.m. middle of the night calls. And then coordinating with the hospital, if we're having a transfer, the reception has been really good. I remember in the first year of my practice, there was a little weirdness around the reception of me and my clients. And like, you know, some of them just so proud of me and, and happy and others a little not just feeling a little differently about it. And, and always the question of like, is the doctor coming? What is the situation? And by now they finally kind of understand like the doctor's not coming. You don't have to call the doctor, but still anytime there's like a question about the strip, they circumvent me and call the doctor. And then the doctor will text me and say, Hey, what's going on? And I'm like, this is what's going on. And they're like, okay, it's a baddie system. And I always kind of feel like I have to be very on alert, you know, just like very, very aware of all the moving pieces.
0: But I feel like you're on eggshells sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, But in the room, and I kind of get in trouble a little bit for this too, because they're like, well, we don't know what's going on with your patient. And it's because I'm in the room constantly. I don't do a lot of charting. I don't really want to sit out at the nurse's station, or do I have the opportunity to because I'm in the room? holding the space and making it feel like we're still home. And the client's feedback is that that's what it feels like and that they can't imagine what it might be like to come into this setting without that, right? Like we all do. Um,
0: well, so it's really beautiful. Think, and why do you think that the nurses, is it just indoctrination into the system? Why do you think that the nurses circumvent you? Why do they don't trust you? You work there for a really long time and yet you're, this is still happening even to you. Why do you think that
2: is part of it? There have been times where I'll come in with a plan that we've discussed and I know this client right for nine months and share that plan with the nurse who doesn't agree, who thinks, you know, a walking epidural isn't appropriate for her. She should have a regular look how uncomfortable she is. And then, you know, when we're like, no, this is kind of what we decided. There's just a little bit of distance then because I didn't all, you know, agree. I don't know. There's a lot of
0: so the expectation is the expectation is that you're supposed to agree with them, but they don't have to agree with you. That's what you're right. saying. Yeah. I
2: mean, I'm coming in with wacky thoughts like people should be able to move around and people should be able to eat and drink. And <laughs> crazy. You're so you're, crazy. You're just so
0: wacky. It's so He's, wacky.
2: Right. And <laughs> like, I usually push the bed to the side of the room. And they're like, what are you doing, Naomi?
1: <laughs> well, the bed's in the way. We need space here. Oh, I've never moved to bed. I've done a lot of things in the hospital, but I've never actually moved to bed, but <laughs> that's awesome. Or like, you know,
2: catching the baby with me on the floor, right? Like, cause the woman wants to stand and the nurse is like, you know, how are we going to do this? And I'm like, well, you don't need to do anything. You could just document and I'll catch the baby and everything will be fine. So it's Watch. just a little bit of, you know, like blowing their minds with like how birth can be so awesome and empowered and even when we do need tools like pitocin and an epidural there's still a lot of the birth plan that we can preserve and why not you know it doesn't all go out the window when you come to the hospital another challenge is the the pediatricians and the treatment of the newborn which i'm sure you guys have seen in the hospital and that's something that's a bit of a frustration for me because in that setting i don't have control of the baby so that that gets tough sometimes with the stimulation and the Wiping off of every little bit of vernix and the bulb suction. But we do, I have sort of gotten into a groove of chatting with the whole team ahead of time and just letting them know that, hey, this, you know, this particular client, which is every one of my clients, really wants as few people in the room as possible. She really feels strongly about skin to skin and not wiping off the vernix. So usually when I pregame like that, it goes a little better. Yeah.
1: And you, you don't have the ability to like kind of,
2: Not at all. Nope. Mm
1: -hmm. Definitely
2: got in trouble for that a couple of times with like FedEx letters from
0: Cedars. (laughs) Because the baby, once it's out, belongs to the pediatric department. That's we've always talked about. Or
2: even the nurse. The nurse is in charge of the baby. And if she feels like the baby needs a bulb suction or a vigorous stim or to be taken to the warmer immediately, I can't really say anything about it.
0: And can can the mother mother say anything or, or... Well,
2: the mother is the only one who can say, but you
0: know
2: know how well listened to mothers are sometimes.
1: Right. And that's why I've seen and heard stories of OBs holding onto the baby. Well, that's what one of my backup doctors does. And it frustrates the heck out of people,
2: but I'm like, it's for a reason. This baby is going to be held for a minute and loved on by the doctor in his way. And then you're going to get the baby. Because yeah. by the time he's done doing his thing, we're at a nine or 10 APGAR and yeah. everybody's happy.
0: Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Doc- that's interesting. Yeah, I've,
1: I've seen Dr. Shavira do that at, at deliveries. Just, you know, wait. Yeah. Like, everything's okay. Doesn't let go of the baby. Right. And, and so the mom's into- like, yeah, your baby. And he's like, just like, you know, yeah. doing his
2: thing. And it's a little rough to watch, but it's now on this side of things, I see why. Because it saves them from going over to the warmer.
0: Wow, I never would have thought of that. That's actually fascinating. Um, I have well, some,
1: it's if, ridiculous so, that we yeah, have to well, do that. But yes. yeah, I think yes. when, Spock,
0: when Spock used to say fascinating, he probably meant ridiculous.
1: Working the, <laughs> working the system, working the system. You have some questions, too?
0: Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, my practical brain, you know, the men were talking about safety and costs. So I got some practical stuff. Um, how many clients do you take a month in your system? And with your team? We're taking
2: six for the three of us. So that's six total. So like I might do two births a month.
0: Okay, so that's that's nice. That's easy.
2: Yeah, I'm feeling like we could do more like eight or nine, but we're still integrating the third midwife. So we're we're playing it by ear. And then that allows space for like the last minute add-on sometimes
0: happens. And then obviously this question, because you have to pay malpractice insurance, which you said was, I forgot what word you used, but probably exorbitant or something like that. And I don't think you yeah. have to reveal how much you pay, but do you charge the hospital clients more?
2: No, and I don't charge VBAC clients more. We have a flat fee that's just a little bit higher than most home birth midwives in the community. I can share that what makes I sense. Yeah, yeah I mean, we
0: would like to know because I know that some insurance companies have a $1,500 surcharge if you do a, a VBAC. Do.
2: Every single one, yeah.
0: That's so okay.
2: We just charge ten.
0: Fascinating
2: flat for everything. <laughs> I know. 10K, which is a little higher than the home birth midwives in the community, but not that much so. And I think we do offer pretty robust service.
0: What number did you say? Ten thousand. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's higher. Now that obviously isn't gonna fly in other parts of the country when you know, when I tell people what midwives charge in Los Angeles or what I charge in Los Angeles, you know, eyes pop out when I'm in Medicine Bow, Wyoming or you know, or Fort Collins, Colorado. But but yeah, but that's you should because you know, clearly if you're only doing six a month and I don't know what you're paying for malpractice, I knew what I used to pay for malpractice. And it was between 40 and 50 grand a year. And the only reason it was that low, when I say low, is because of the, a law in California called MICRA, which is the Medical Injury Compensation Reform Act, which kept us down. When we were at 50,000, doctors and OBs in Florida were paying $200,000 a year. And so they actually got a law passed in Florida that said that, OBs don't need to have malpractice insurance to have privileges at hospitals. So a lot of doctors went bare. Oh, interesting. But in California, you know, you can't practice at a hospital without malpractice insurance. They won't put you. They won't let you on staff. Right. So I don't know if that's still a law in Florida. Maybe somebody can email me and let me know. But it's still outrageously expensive. If you're only yeah. doing four or five bursts a month, that means you know that's four thousand dollars a month you know, off your overhead before you can you know buy a Q-tip. So- yeah.
2: Yeah. But it all works out as it's
1: for now. (laughs) It's working. Did you have another one, Stu?
0: No. I mean, those are the more practical ones that I thought about. And, you know, I don't know if you want to. No, that's all right. I was going to ask if you wanted to share the names of the people that are covering you so we could give them some kudos. But if you don't want to, that's okay.
2: I feel like I can. I know Dr. Brock wouldn't mind and it might surprise you that he's one of them.
0: No, it doesn't surprise me at all. I have a really good relationship with Barry, so
2: yeah, he's By amazing. The way,
0: he's the breach guy for people that listen. Yeah. To me and talk about. I just call him, him.
2: Know, like, the obstetrical wizard, and I'm like, there's a lot, a lot that's great about Dr. Brock, and the other one is Dr. Daniel Niku.
0: That's great. And where's his office?
2: He's in. Uh, I think it's 200 Robertson, so like right near Cedars.
0: Okay, so people who, in Los Angeles if you want an ob at least these two people are are supportive of a midwife doing work in the hospital and taking transports and stuff like that then this is the kind of ob that at least probably have an open mind when you are seeking out an OB, you know for somebody who wants an ob hospital care based yeah. practice i would i would promote these two guys
2: yeah and for my client people that come to me who are pregnant with twins i got to diagnose twins the other day which was really fun or anything else that's not necessarily appropriate for midwife, I'm always happy to just send them right to those guys. And Dr. Steve Radd also helps me out. He's a maternal fetal medicine specialist. That's nice. Yeah. He likes to do deliveries too. So he's got a very unique private practice in LA as well.
0: Okay. Thanks
1: for sharing. Are you guys thinking about opening a birth center?
2: Not right this second, but now that I don't know why it came to mind yesterday. Somebody suggested that Dr. Shavira should open a birth center. And I'm like, he'd be a cool guy to be in practice with if he could come over to Cedars. Because I'm never leaving Cedars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> At least in this iteration of my life right now. it's I've got too many roots right here. I don't know. I feel like I've got a lot of friends who've done the birth center thing and who feel like there's so many pitfalls. And I want to be practicing for a very long time. And I just, what we have now is working. I like home birth a lot. I like the idea of the client not having to go anywhere.
0: Well, your model and of I care think... is really fascinating. And I mean that in a good way. Um, <laughs> because ridiculous. ultimately, even though you're subject to lots of silliness, what you are doing is giving people options, which is what Bliss and I are all about. Which is It feels people-
2: really good. It feels really good and really important. And the only thing I really wish is that like, you know, I wish this type of service was available at network insurance so that it was accessible to everybody, you know? Yeah, and absolutely. then, and then my job would go from like midwifing to just like getting more midwives <laughs> to get themselves privileges and, and start a practice like this. Cause it's just, it feels like the best of both worlds.
0: So bliss, let's just take a moment and talk about one of our other new sponsors that's needed. So needed is a nutritional supplement, vitamin, healthy company that a lot of people love. I got a text message from somebody that said, I love that you're supporting Needed. They actually helped me recover from postpartum and post-COVID hair loss. Oh, I was amazing. literally balding and she used Needed and she said she, it helped her. So why don't you That's tell us a little things. bit more about them?
1: Yeah, well, you know, the founders of Needed are two mamas. One of them was my client in Los Angeles, Julie, who had a home birth. And they discovered that most women, even when taking their prenatal vitamin, 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin, but 95% are left with nutrient deficiencies. So they got to work and redesigned the prenatal multi from the ground up with a group of perinatal nutrition and health practitioners. They hand-selected every ingredient and nutrient dose, including spending thousands of hours reviewing supplier resource records, clinical literature, and the in-practice clinical data of practitioners. This is really important because there are many gaps in research for women's health. So the needed real-time expert clinical perspective is really unique. They have a very large line of support for families, both men and women, actually. So check out all of their options. But one of the things I really love besides that it's a female owned company and all of the work that they put into making these products amazing is that they offer a prenatal vitamin powder. So protein is a really important thing from a midwifery perspective. And so you can kill two birds with one stone by having your prenatal vitamins in your protein powder so that you can make a smoothie. And be able to get all of the benefits from that. So why don't you tell them, Stu, about what they're offering to our listeners?
0: Well, they need to go to their website, which is
1: thisisneeded.com. thisisneeded.com
0: mm-hmm. And look at their, their menu because they've got so many different interesting products. Mm-hmm. And if you also put in the code "birthing instincts," you get 20% off your one-time order. Or you get $100 off if you do a three-month uh, subscription. So go to thisisneeded.com and use the code word instincts for your discount and take a look at their uh, menu because they just have such a large variety of products.
1: Yeah, and midwives, share this code with your clients and that would also support podcast. So thanks, Needed, for joining the team. Thank you, guys. Do you feel frustrated with what happens in the hospital though? I mean, they were talking about having a hospital here in Santa Barbara and said, you know, that they would work on getting licensed midwife privileges. And I was like, I don't think I'd do it. I can see what the benefit is, but I don't think I would want like what you were talking about with the babies and stuff. I would get in too much trouble, I think. I know. I did <laughs> take <It kick> me <laughs> out really fast.
0: Not even a question. You get you get in trouble for sure.
2: But you can do so much good, too. And right now for me, and it could change in a couple of years, but right now that is feeling better than not being able to do it, you know, like for our transfers for, you know, I wanted to have my stats ready to share with you guys for the last two years, but I don't. It's something like a 20 percent transfer rate from home birth with a primep to the
0: hospital. Not 50 percent?
2: No, it's a little higher than your average home birth practice because we do attract a clientele who are like not committed necessarily. no like,
0: I was just reiterating from the Joe Rogan podcast thing. so don't i I no read
2: that. I listened to that. But it's kind of cool in that we have 20% of people going from home to hospital. And then we have about 15% of planned hospital births who end up deciding to stay home. And it's so nice that they can do that in our practice and they don't have to worry about calling 911 or figuring out how to manage the birth certificate
0: or changing practitioners at the last minute, too.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Right. It's a great model.
1: So is that? During labor that they make these decisions or prior to labor?
2: Usually, like, if it seems like they're that type of family, we kind of plant seeds and we're like, listen, it would be great if you could decide by 36 weeks so you have time to get a birth kit. But if you don't, we show up with most of what we need and the rest we can improvise. And so... Occasionally it's in labor but usually like you know I just had a 36 week home visit we do 36 week home visits for everybody and she was like you know I've been thinking maybe home birth and I'm like cool we have time to get everything in order
1: The great thing is you can always go in exactly like, you know, you're not locked into it I tell that's what I tell people like you know you can just if you plan a home birth and you decide at any point you want to mm-hmm. go that's always available to you but right. at least you have what you need to feel comfortable I tell
2: them the the hospital is part of the home birth plan And, you know, planning that way only gives you more options, because if you plan to give birth at the hospital, you eliminate the potentially beautiful option of having a home birth. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say this cute story about this woman who was very committed to hospital birth. It was her first baby. She also really wanted to have cervical checks pre-labor, which we talk about a lot, not having any real use. And she was closed in the office. And then She wasn't complaining of any labor signs, but at some point her husband texted me and said, I don't really know what's going on, but I think she's just not going to be able to do this. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, she's been throwing up and she's miserable. And I think you should come check on her, but I think we are going to go in. And I get there and, you know, she wanted a cervical check and I asked her if she wanted to know the number or if she just wanted like my feedback and suggestions. And she's like, just give me your feedback. And so when I checked her, I was like, well, how do you feel about home birth? (laughs) And she was like, wait, what? She's like, what am I two? Am I three? I'm like, you're 10 centimeters and your baby's right here. And so it was like such a beautiful, wonderful situation, you know, and she had a gorgeous home birth and, but that cervical check in the office had totally messed with her head. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, if I was closed three days ago, I couldn't possibly, this couldn't possibly be it. So
1: couldn't possibly
2: <laughs> and then i was able to shuffle because she was all the way in the south bay and thank god i know so many people i was able to like call a couple people and get an assist over right away and and i didn't have meds with me so she brought meds and just all worked out really nicely <laughs> yeah
1: i love this practice i love this work
0: <laughs> so yeah. i have one last question um i have one too okay so i'll do one then you do one okay men first <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, uh, ooh,
1: you're outnumbered.
0: <laughs> I'm always outnumbered. I've been outnumbered my entire uh, professional life. <laughs> so, anyway, why do you think? I mean, I, I know that Debbie Frank was the pioneer, and Debbie Frank was the only midwife I know that Cedars is that really ever? You know, in those early days, she fought really hard to get a position at Cedars and to get respect and to get privileges. I'm giving kudos to Cedars for doing that. Why do you think that Cedars did that and most other hospitals? are still living in the stone age where they're not letting midwives have privileges. Was it because of Debbie or was there just something else? I
2: don't know. I don't know a lot about what went on back then, but I know in going through the privileging process, there was nothing distinct about my application because I was going to be in private practice. It was the exact same application as the midwives that they have working for them in that different type of midwife role. So. And then I swear I never would have even thought it possible if I hadn't seen Debbie's practice. So part of it might be that people just don't know that they can. Because any hospital that has nurse practitioners or midwives working in any capacity has a process for privileging. And it's just a matter of going through it. And it's harrowing. It's 10 months of, you know, your heart in your throat, just wondering, like, are they going to let me? Are they not? Or do I have to resubmit this thing? They had to check malpractice insurance from the school that I went to six years ago to make sure there were no claims. Like it was a harrowing process. And then getting signatures from people who don't know me and who, you know, and I needed those signatures. And it's like, how do I navigate all that? But it
1: worked out. Well, con- congratulations. That <laughs> Thank you. you but all that to say
2: offer. is that I think, I think anybody could do it. I think it just takes doing, you know? Trying, yeah,
1: great. That's a so more midwife. We need should, we need people apply. who
0: are going to try to change the system from within. You that's know, true. that's not something I or I think Bliss could ever do. <laughs> but we're all we dogs te- at this point. <laughs> yeah, we don't have the temperament for that, and I'm I freely admit that. But the fact that you do, and I can see it, and I can see the fact that you went through that, and no matter how exasperated it probably made you and frustrated sometimes you were able to let it roll off your back and continue because you saw the bigger picture. Sometimes it's really hard to go through that like that application process and you like applying for a license in another state. They they need an original transcript from my college from 40 years ago. It's like I already am licensed in in California and Utah. Why does Indiana need this? And my perspective is that I get to the point where I just can't I can't comply anymore. I can't submit to that sort of thing. So I'm glad there are people out there like you and Dr. Nico, who's doing the opposite, who's who's not going with the flow. I love that.
2: Yeah. That's so important.
0: Did you have one more question, Bliss?
1: I did. I wanted to know how your personal midwifery experience influenced your practice. You mean
2: as a patient of midwives?
1: Yeah. Well. The positive and the negative, like, oh, uh, yeah, I really wanted to make sure this happened. or, or I, really I have a lot this. to say
2: about that, because the <laughs> whole reason why I knew I wanted to be a midwife was when I had my first son, Kaiser West LA, had this wonderful midwife that I saw for every prenatal. And she scribbled her phone number on a paper and gave it to me at my 37 week visit and said, call me when you're in labor. And that is what I did. And she did. And pick up the phone. <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, there's got to be a way." And and we hadn't talked about. And I get, everybody cannot pick up the phone at one point or the other. But we hadn't talked about what do you do if I'm not available? I only work on these days. So if you go into labor on these days, this is what it might look like. So I had no clue. I was 21 years old. So one of the things I endeavored to always do as a midwife is to talk about if you can't reach me, which could happen. I mean. People get hit by buses, people, kids get sick and need attention. Like there might be a reason why I can't be attentive to you. This is who you call. And that's why it was so important to me to have a partner and to not be alone in it. So that shaped my experience a lot. And then my experience at the Hollywood Birth Center with Connie and Ty and Alex. That's where I met Alex. She was a midwifery student. And I think I met her in the delivery And she was like cleaning blood off my legs and smiling. And I was just like, I love you. Like you're going to be in my life forever. (laughs) I don't know how you're doing what you're doing right now. It seems unpleasant, but you're doing it with such love and care that I want that. You know, I, I love that. And so, I mean, the whole pregnancy experience being taken care of by those midwives, I was only 24 with that pregnancy was. Incredible. And my husband was very skeptical because we had good insurance and we could have gone to Cedars-Sinai and had the best care available. And when we interviewed the midwives, he had a lot of questions about, well, what if you go into cardiac arrest? How do you guys deal with that? Because it happens. And they were very, very sweet with him. And at the end of that experience, he was completely converted to where with our last birth, he didn't want anyone there. I had this whole... <laughs> I was going to have all my midwife friends come around and sing kumbaya and braid my hair and it would be beautiful and lovely. He didn't want anyone there. And that's how it worked out. He caught the baby himself a couple of came over after and helped with the placenta, but he was like, birth is just a bodily function and it's, you know, it can be so beautiful. So all of those experiences really shaped me for sure. And then working at the hospital. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was gonna say, so you actually had a free birth.
2: I did. Yeah. Totally free birth. (laughs) Good for you. I cherry-picked the little bits of care that I wanted. And I went to Dr. Rad for a scan here and there. And I decided I wanted to do this test or that test and just totally did it myself. It was awesome.
1: Good for you. And what were you going to say about the hospital experience?
2: just working as a nurse, I remember when I was a very young new doula, finding that the nurses have so much influence on people's birth plans. And so my experience as a nurse and sort of navigating the hospital system in that way, kind of, you know, saying the thing that needed to be said so that we get a little more time, right. Or, you know, letting them know that like, if I don't see you eat, then, then it didn't happen. And, you know, like these silly hospital rules that people are so uncomfortable with. And yet for whatever reason, they don't even know that they can discard them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just using documentation as a tool and a power really to just be like patient declined, you know, I gave her the information, she declined and that's all I have to say. And then you do what you want and you
1: feel fine about it. Yeah. So. Great. Well, <laughs> your practice is called the Los Angeles midwives.
2: Los Angeles midwives. Yes.
1: Yeah. Great. And um, anything else that you want to share with us before we, you know, goodbye just
2: today. as everybody says, I love your podcast. I love you both. Stu, I'm sure you don't remember meeting me way, 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 way back, but I first met you at Cedars when I was the doula of one of your clients. And I think you were sort of at the height of the end of your career there. And It was cool to meet you and then just to follow you after it's just been a journey and you're a huge asset to birth. And I, I love the letters and the influence you're having worldwide. It just is so inspiring.
1: Thank you. Thank you
2: so much.
0: (laughs) Rarely am I speechless. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Let's just end the podcast right there.
2: (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you for what you're doing. You are, I would not say you're a unicorn, but you are close to being a unicorn. I would like to see more people doing what you're doing. We need more midwives, even if they're stuck in a system that sucks, um, yeah. because you got to change it from within and from without, and you're doing your share and you put in your time. And I hope that you you know, practice long and don't get burned out and bring your love and caring to all the women who so desperately need it.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And I loved what you said in the beginning. I just wanted to come on and chat with you guys, which is basically what we do. You know, I've had people before, like, what are you going to ask? And, you know, I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, it's just like talking to a couple of friends. It's, you know, it's just us. So we're so glad to have you on today to chat about what you're doing in LA and keep up the good work. And if we can be helpful in any way, let us know.
2: Thank you. Awesome. I plan to take a breach course at some point.
0: You, you should. Treatment. And and Barry, by the way, even <laughs> though he does a very medicalized model, he's a breach guru.
2: Specialist, yeah. Right. I met uh, Rixa for the first time at a meeting in San Luis Obispo last week or two weeks ago and saw a little
1: abbreviated version of her class, which is cool.
0: Yeah, they're teaching in Australia and New Zealand right now as we speak. Amazing.
1: And Nicole Morales is coming in the spring here to San Inez. if you want to come and learn from a midwife about breech. Oh. Oh. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, great. Okay. Love to see you there. Okay, All right. honey, thanks, thanks so you much. much. Bye. You're
0: you can you can say goodbye. Bye, bye, <laughs> bye, guys. I'm logging
1: bye. out. Bye. So cute.
0: Yeah, you had lots of different laughs today, Bliss. It was really uh, enjoyable to see you laugh. You were seem like you're you're doing great. And uh, you got the and
1: giggles today.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's a great thing to have giggles because the world could use more giggles. <laughs>
1: That's right. We do need more giggles. It's true. Right.
0: All right. Well, it's great seeing you. Um, It's great seeing you. I'll see you next week. For everybody listening, thanks again for giving us an hour of your time. And please support our sponsors because they support us.
1: Yep. Have a good day. Bye-bye.